Hello and welcome to the podcast. Today we have a great talk with Inside Trackers Carl Valle. Carl and I get into uh, we get into a great talk about technology and sport performance. Uh, we start out kind of talking about the directions that that Carl sees it going in the field, uh, where he sees uh, technology moving, and where he sees the advances progressing uh, to help coaches do a better job of coaching. Uh, we look at bioanalytics, uh, go over what it is, and really how it, it could end up being a game changer and changing the world of sport performance as we know it. We talk quite a bit about flywheel technology and, and how that could be a great addition to your program, and we also look at what's next when it comes to the evolution of coaching. Really awesome talk, guys. Carl's a great guy, and I hope you guys... Enjoy the talk as much as I did. Let's get right to it. Carl, thank you so much for taking some time to be with us here today, my man. Um, for those listening that may not know your story, how about we uh, we catch them up to speed a bit? Yeah, I'm not. Uh, I'm, I'm flattered to to do this podcast. Uh, just a, a simple bio. I don't want to bore people and have them fall asleep if they're driving listening. Uh, Simple bio, again, uh, former track athlete, swimming athlete, definitely not world-class by any means, high school level. Um, also a computer geek. Yes, I did go to computer ed camp. Um, that means, uh, you know, obviously I was doing that in middle school. Was wiser, went to Stanford National Swim Camp when I was in high school. Uh, once you be tur- you know, once you turn to the age of 13, you realize popularity and knowledge might not be uh, – uh, a good, uh, uh, you know, pairing sometimes. Um, but that's when I basically, you know, fell in love with the combination of technology and sport. Uh, there's a couple people on my, on my Facebook feed that will remember when I was trying to make a, a piece of software called Glycoswim, trying to, I was all about, uh, glycogen and, uh, you know, fueling after reading, um, Ernie McGlisco's swimming even faster books and, and stuff like that. And then in college, you know, went to the University of South Florida, saw some amazing athletes training, and, you know, I got my exercise science degree. I was looking at, like, you know, maybe, you know, back in the mid-90s, you know, you think about owning a gym, you know, the whole uh, strength and conditioning, you weren't really familiar with that unless you're at, like, a, a, a big high school in Texas or Florida, Massachusetts guys, the weight room was basically, you know, an abandoned, you know, broom closet. So, you know, that's kind of my bio. It's not, you know, exciting. Um, it's pretty straightforward. You know, most people, they, they see something, want to be part of it. And, uh, you know, I've been in the technology slash sports performance world since 97. You know, my first job was a one day a week, uh, swim coach for Friday swim, which is the optional day for people that were doing club training. And they, uh, gave a day off, um, and Saturday, Sunday, Saturday and Sunday was training. So, you know, basically a, a lane technique coach. And I liked that and wanted to continue, but I didn't know what to do for, you know, do I want to be a swim coach, track coach, didn't know about the strength and conditioning stuff. So I kind of did a little bit of both, uh, coached high school track and high school swimming for seven years, uh, three or four years of college and uh, junior college coaching. And then uh, recently, just focus on a, a couple post-collegiate guys. Not not too much. Um, you know, I, I don't have anyone going to world championships this year. Had a couple guys go to 
uh, you know, uh, recent Olympics. And, you know, the, the main thing is that uh, I look at myself as a, a, a part-time coach and a full-time data slash technology consumer reports guy for coaches. And that's what I pretty much do most of the time is about 20 hours a day doing the, the tech and the data and then about 12 to 18 hours, um, depending on, you know, the season and, you know, a little part-time coaching and, uh, uh, in, uh, either, you know, uh, sports performance and, and track and field. Awesome. Awesome. Now being the tech guy, let's kind of start out there. There's, I mean, obviously there's a smorgasbord of things flying around right now. And if you look at social media, there is a ton of hot topics, debates, questions, things of that nature. So, you know, maybe that's a kind of a, an indirect question of saying, okay, what's hot right now and what people should care about? I think that's fair. Let's go with that first. Okay, so looking at, uh, you know, technology, data, everyone wants that. It's the new oil. Um, I'm making some predictions, going to make, add a little, little excitement here. Um, people are going to move away from velocity based training and they're going to move away a little bit from, uh, force plates. And I predict, this is pretty bold, that in-shoe pressure is going to be the next big thing because I think what people are looking at, and I, and don't get me wrong. Uh, I believe in velocity-based training using barbell tracking technologies. I think that's a, that's important. Um, we're looking at kind of at trends, not necessarily mm -hmm. what's important. You know, that's going to be up to each program and each coach. And then force plates started getting some interest. Sparta Science, uh, you know, there's a company out there in California that you know I keep messing up their name. It's like three CPO or you know things like that. Uh, basketball program um, that. Uh, is doing a lot of pl uh, force plate stuff. I'm not familiar with them. I can't keep up with the commercial market. Really focus more on the on the sports science and then the equipment itself, not necessarily you right. know the uh, the private uh, the private side. And now people are starting to realize, okay, uh, bar velocity is a product of putting the you know forces down through the ground and the bars coming up. Um, then force plate started, you know, a, a lot of guys are doing some stuff interpreting that, but it's, it's, it's a vertical jump. Um, right now, in-shoot pressure is getting the anatomical and the kinetic data of each foot strike, so now you can see things are going to get a lot more complicated. Uh, you can do that. It's been around for 30, 40 years plus. Um, gate analysis it's always been sort of lavish. Now it's starting to become more on the field. So that is my prediction. There's a lot of stuff that's obviously being in Boston. There's TechScan. Uh, in Germany, there's a couple products, Novell. Um, and now Modicon is probably, in my opinion, going to create a lot, of, uh, a lot of inbound rushes to have distributors and you know because the price point's coming down and you're getting it wireless. So it's very... It's minimally invasive, if you will. So it's not like you're like looking like a robot with wires and stuff. So a uh, lot of uh, great potential there, but you really need to be careful before you jump into anything like that. Right. Um, when we're talking the complexities of the foot, uh, the data that you get there, all the necessary um, levels of knowledge of the anatomy, um, you can't just you know it's not like you know some other data sets that are a little bit more crude. You'd better know what you're doing because a lot of the intervention 
which can cause a huge nightmare of cascading problems. Um, so I think one thing to think about is like an example of uh, fifth metatarsal fractures in the NBA. Yeah. Wrote a blog about that on the BSMPG. Suggested that people pressure map. Um, it's more than just pressure mapping in terms of forces. Obviously, there's remodeling of tissue, and that's usually nutrients like uh, vitamin D, calcium, um, caloric intake. Uh, and then there's the workload that you're being put on. So a combination of things like uh, GPS, player tracking technologies, clearly catapult is that general body workload. Um, but what we're seeing is probably a combination of things of the actual foot strike. So that is something that I know um, is going to be hot because it's been around for a lot, you know, been decades, but it wasn't really practical until the last couple of years. Oh, that's interesting. And that's, you know, that's, it's kind of surprising because both of us are friends with Dr. Mann. Both of us are users of the gym aware. So to hear you say that the, uh, it'll shift the other way, that's, um, that's pretty interesting to me. I, I think that what could be really neat is when people start looking at the two together. Yeah, so I think that people need to stop looking at, okay, oh, we're moving on, it's just building on. Um, right. So I, I've obviously, uh, my manual uh, that I wrote, uh, and I had my intern you know, do the dirty work of the editing, because my writing is not exactly uh, you know, known for being perfect on the spelling and uh, you know, the typos that I have. Uh, the kinetic manual was named after um, uh, kinetic performance because that year, I believe, Rob Shug, uh, which is one of the co-founders, I believe, I don't know all the history, um, emotionally, for some reason, I was really touched um, and hurt when his, him and his wife passed away. Um, he was on a sabbatical, and his, and his kids um, were basically on the beach, and it's terrible. It's a, it's a really rough story. Um, he was basically snorkeling or something like that, and they, him and his wife got hit by some jellyfish, and he, they drowned. And for me, he sent me uh, a Gym Aware demo product as thanks for just kind of, you know, getting the, the word out on the, in the North America, because I believe that the, the product is extremely valuable. It's, it's far more advanced than Tendo can ever be. And that was sort of my kind of tribute. That's why we named the Kinetics Manual after Kinetic Performance. I felt I wanted to do something for him. So that's kind of the origin why the, the Kinetics Manual was, was named. Um, is, is just the product itself. So, yes, I am a fan of Gym Aware. It's a great tool, a lot of data, and, and it's just it's great. Well, that's, it's, it's awesome how you say that, how it isn't going from this to this. It's, well, this, and this can now be added to it. Because hopefully at this point, there are enough resources out there that people understand, you know, bar tracking and looking at the velocities and how it impacts trading and how it should be utilized in situations with your kids. So now you can look at this on another realm um, to just, you know, put a little more whipped cream on the Sunday, I guess you could say. Well, you know, speaking of uh, Sundays and, and uh, ice cream, you know, one of the things with, uh, you know, there's a couple of guys at the Central Virginia Seminar that came up to me, and, was, and they, they invested into to Genoware, and, uh, you know, obviously it's a, it's a solid product, um, but things that I care about is apparently I'm the only one that's worried about squat depth, 
uh, you know, apparently everyone's going, uh, you know, ass to grass uh, depth, and you know, everyone's doing. Uh, you know, when the weight gets heavier, everyone's maintaining that, uh, you know, that full range. And so I think that when you're looking at, for me, what I try to do is navigate to the hard stuff. Because I feel it's so easy just to be the guy that's trying to get bar velocity. Um, in, in this day and age, I'm not looking at just getting a, you know, because that Dr. Gill study um, on instant feedback, with some of the YouTubes of certain schools where everyone sounds like a WWE, you know, wrestler screaming, do we need more adrenaline? You know, so I think sometimes it's okay just to have a good workout and not max out and try to get huge outputs. Um, I think there's something to be said for, you know, getting, you know, the, 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 as much as necessary as Hank would say. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think that, you know, with all these products out there, try to use them to get the things that are realistic and then are going to get you the results. Everyone's after the, you know, not even the, you know, the whipped cream. They're looking for like the jimmies and the, and the, and the, and the cherries, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think that's, uh, uh, probably something that people have to think about is not pursuing the sprinkles or whatever they call. I don't, you know, I'm a, I'm a guy that just likes sh chocolate shakes. I don't know what, you know, uh, people have on their Sundays, but I think that people need to be honest. And if they can start looking at the stuff that matters, then we'll make progress. Yeah. So then, what's next after that? Let's talk about myoanalytics. Okay, uh, that's. <laughs> That's where, uh, you know, and that term is, is coming from Jose Fernandez. He was a guy that, to me, um, gosh, at least five years ago, I was, you know, I'm always kind of, I'm not on LinkedIn. Uh, I think there's like some sort of, uh, you know, so I think people have tried to make their own LinkedIn profiles with my name, and that's another story. But uh, uh, Jose Fernandez, uh, obviously a, a, a Spaniard, um, was living in the UK, doing a lot of stuff. Uh, with basketball and tense of myographies, one of the the tools that Landon and uh, Iowa they, they invested into, um, he's done a, a wonderful job of uh, taking this device that samples basically tissue tone of, of muscle. And so Myelanalytics was sort of saying, okay, let's, let's, let's all these devices. There's Myotone. Um, a lot of people are trying to take advantage of the complex unit that has a, a, an MI sensor and trying to get, you know, you put electrical current to the tissue, it creates a contraction, and then you're trying to get that information there. And so uh, what people are trying to do is get muscle readiness. So that's what I look at myoanalytics. And, you know, when you look at the injury reports on like, uh, you know, NFL.com, you, you, you probably see a joint, you know, bone or tissue. No one's like, oh, he's out with low HRV or mitochondria, biogenesis is low. People are saying, okay, did, did you tear something? You know, like, is there something basically torn tissue-wise? And, you know, those are the things that you can kind of see trends on. I mean, people estimate it with workloads, um, but people need to see, like, the inputs in terms of the, the, the general stuff and the drill down to the trouble spots. You know, like with myoanalytics, you know, if you have a soccer player, for example – you probably want to focus on the lower extremities. Let's, let's not try to complicate things. No one's pulling a deltoid sprinting. You know, it's like you're probably worried about the groin, hamstrings, maybe the calf, and then joints. Um, you know, there's things that you can do that uh, look at the ACL integrity. Um, there's some stuff that Arno Ferrec, 
I'm going to bring that name up from uh, uh, the BSMPG. Um, there's a lot of different consultants that are looking at all of these things just with the joints. You know, why worry about proxy scores when you can just go right to the, the tissue, elastography, um, you know, ultrasound. So uh, one of the things, I, last week uh, I was um, in Waltham uh, visiting a, uh, an Australian PhD researcher. Um, I know his first name and his name is David. Um, it's like uh, Opar. I'm really bad with names. He's yeah. one of the hamstring experts. When I read research, I, I, I need to actually just rehearse names because if I'm going to be doing more podcasts, I don't want to be getting hate mail uh, with, hey, this is how you pronounce my name because people always pronounce my name. They call it Val. Uh, in Spanish, you can say it Valle if you want. Um, but anyway, going back to the, the Nord board, um, the Nord board is something that is a kind of an estimation on muscle performance. It's not really readiness. You're not going to do it every, every day to see if you're ready to sprint or, or play a football game. But it's a way to do basically a Nordic hamstring exercise with a device that gets uh, the forces from your heel. So you kind of handcuff or ankle cuff yourself in and you do the exercise. Apparently three reps is enough to get a, a good sample. Um, and then it looks at basically the accrued estimation of torque. Uh, you know, I think that you know, it's, it's really trying to get uh, muscle force of the hamstring or group, if you will. It's, 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 it's not perfect, um, I think, but the research behind it, I looked at all the presentation and the slides, really good stuff. It, you know, uh, one of the things is that you want length and strength with the hamstring, and that's just, uh, I'm, I'm distilling it to make it too simple. Um, but first thing is be strong enough, because asymmetrical weakness is still weak. Um, so we get, oh, I, you know, I'm less than 10%, but if you're, it's like I always use the saying, if, if you win a rat race, you're still a rat. Um, the, the key with, you want strength, enough sufficient strength, and people will have calculations. I'll let the biomechanics experts come up with, you know, what the femur length is and, and what that magical threshold. But as a coach myself, you always want more. I don't care what the metric is. <laughs> What is everyone looking for? Faster, stronger, higher type stuff. So you want to have uh, enough uh, surplus amount of strength, and then you want to have symmetry because there's, you know, there is some research to say that if there's a, a significant imbalance, there is risk. Um, but what's cool about the body is it, it it wants strength more because it can fine tune the imbalances. Um, but when the imbalances become you know sufficiently beyond that threshold, then you're at risk. So a lot of teams are interested, and there's some NFL teams that are using this. Um, so what you'll probably see after this podcast is a spike of traffic going to the Nordboard website, whatever that is. Um, but uh, it's basically they have a laptop connected. It's not wireless on your iPad or, or tablet yet. Um, but then it gets you the, the raw number. It's a nice, it's a quick workflow. You can do a whole um, squad uh, they, they bring up those terms. Um, you can do a, you know, a football team probably in, I'd say, an hour and a half. You don't want to have guys lined up. That's the rule that I, I believe in technologies that you don't have lines. That's why I'm not a big fan of, of force plates because you want to use the, the technology while you're training. 
Um, also, you know, people can use a high-res ultrasound and, and get that length score to see if people are coming in. Um, one of the things with testing is that, you know, like, for example, if you're doing a conditioning test and a guy's not in shape, well, now he's tired because you just use a, a physical strength. Um, certain testing, like, uh, obviously, myoanalytics-type products, it's passive. You know, like a blood draw, for example, no one gets tired from that because you're only getting like 50 milliliters or something like that. Um, saliva, no one gets, oh, my jaw is tired. So a lot of this passive biochemical and myoanalytic stuff, you can, it's just valuable to get and you don't have to worry about fatigue. If someone's not used to doing a Nordic exercise, they're going to have residual soreness because any athlete, especially in America, wants to max out the score. You know, what's, and then you get guys looking at other people's scores on leaderboards and, you know, you're having, you know, women in New York doing, you know, uh, spinning classes that are like passing out practically trying to beat each other. Imagine what an elite athlete can do, um, you know, that's, they're seeing, you know, some guy, if some, someone's trying to make a, a team and they see a guy getting 500, you know, they're going to try to get 550, you know. So I think, you know, the Nord board, um, the people behind it, I love this, the fact that there are PhDs. It's, it's an extension of the universities in Australia, so it's not like you know, you're, you're getting some sketchy startup that's just trying to you know, take advantage of hamstring uh, injury patterns and, and sport. Um, software, you know, I'm a guy that just send me the CSV file. I just want something that's quick and reliable. So I think that's great. But I think teams, if they just simply were using ultrasound and, and tracking that, it's passive. You can get a lot of information. So I think the coexistence, you know, sports medicine needs to track uh, with the ultrasound, and then sports performance should be looking at strength indices. And we should point out that Nordboard does also put some pretty good stuff out on social media as well. Yeah, uh, Doctor, uh, I think it's Doctor Shield again. I, I'm, I'm, I can't remember names. I guess that's why I give everyone nicknames because it's easy for me to remember that. Uh, there was a little back and forth between um, myself and him because I think with Twitter it's easy to get lost in the constraints of the characters. Uh-huh. Um, and I was basically showing the value, what I call the Black Hydra, of using a K-box eccentric flywheel, you know, you know, flywheel exercise of squatting up to get a, a, a heavy uh, momentum, you know, just getting momentum from a bilateral squatting pattern. Um, and then redirecting that momentum into an RDL. Um, I, I think that RDLs are, are, are a fine option. It wasn't, again, Landon Evans over in Iowa, he was doing a lot of them and he was looking at the TMG and some of the other stuff that's there. And, you know, I tried every exercise. That's what we do with a piece of equipment, you know, lateral lunges and, you know, different types of movement patterns. I'm, you know, I didn't do too many things. And, you know, I believed that it had value, but then I was confirmed my suspicions when, um, when I started talking last week to um, Dr. David um, about, you know, you need a sufficient overload on an RDL. You see these guys doing single leg RDLs with 32 kilogram, uh, you know, kettlebell. You need more than, you know, your body weight. You can't just go around and... and you need to get a sufficient load. And I, I threw out a random, you know, twice body weight type exercise uh, load for, for that. You, you need some, some horsepower. You can't just show up and, you know, if you're sprinting at full speed, 
the pink dumbbells, the powder blue dumbbells, you know, you got to go heavy metal. So, I don't know. It's a great analogy. <laughs> but, so let's piggyback with that a bit since we've already talked K-Box and, and let's go there because that has been, um, that has been something that has had a lot of light bulbs going off over people's heads and sparked a lot of interest. So let's talk about Andreas a bit. Yeah, actually, uh, um, it's funny because, believe it or not, as a technology guy in the weight room, I don't like machines. Um, you know, reverse leg press, big fan of, uh, you know, certain pieces of equipment. Sometimes, you know, you, you do some cable exercises like paddle-off presses or whatever. But when I saw the, you know, and, and this is me, I'm so skeptical because I've been burnt buying all this equipment. I'm like, oh, this is going to help me see CNS fatigue and, you know, this is going to... All this stuff has let me down. So, like, you know, emotionally, like, I remember TMG was, because uh, it's used to estimate fiber composition. And I remember, like, it must have been 10 years ago, guys coming back and saying, I did a muscle biopsy, but it didn't penetrate the skin. I'm like, ah, this is all hype. And then, you know, then I'm hearing about it, you know, mid-2000s. And, and then 2010, a couple people are showing it. I'm like, you know what? I better check into this because... I'm seeing it valuable. Same thing with Flywheel, uh, late 90s, you read an article, um, you know, a, a journal article, this is before, you know, I was, you know, I was like on, on Netscape Navigator in the, in the mid to, you know, uh, late 90s or something like that. And then Flywheel technology, I didn't know what it was. It's, oh, it's machines, you know. And then you saw the Versapulli and I was like, yeah, that's interesting. You try it at the NSCA conference in 2000 and that was good. But it wasn't until I started seeing a lot of the research on some of the hormonal things, long-term basal adaptations, and the injury rates uh, of eccentric uh, strength. And I, you know, saw it, you know, and I, I knew people were using it, you know, uh, you know, uh, there's a, Julio Tuos was in, uh, um, doing a lot of consulting in, in, in Spain, and he was sort of like a guy that had a lot of gadgets, so he must be related to me, because he's, he's Spanish, obviously, and you know, maybe I have his uh, some of his genes, but the, the the thinking I have is that you know I said okay, I see it, I see some value. Um, let me look at the research. Then I asked around some coaches, and they brought it up. Said yeah, we, we do it to complement our training. And then it's like okay, I need to try it. You know, I, you know I understand flywheel. I've experienced the the overload and the redirecting of momentum. Um, but then when I actually say, okay, let me do a test drive, I was like, you know what, this is, this is doing something unique. And then you start doing all the, the testing and stuff like that. But the reason I really got fell in love with the, the eccentric overload was the K-meter. Because now you can quantify it. Before it's like, okay, I'm doing two plates and I'm trying really hard. Well, if you're doing any type of barbell tracking and you're looking at you know, peak velocity or whatever, then you're going into like eyeballing weights, not even seeing a real load. Yeah, it, it, it became hard for me. You know, like I used the Gym Aware to try to come up with calculations, and then they came up with the K meter that showed up uh, in my uh, my mailbox, and I was that was Christmas because now I finally say, okay, now we can start quantifying this in a practical manner. Because what I do in my garage, or you know, using you know what I bring to the to the track at the Reggie Lewis Center or whatever. That is not what coaches do. So what I do, I never suggest any of it because I like to open up pieces of equipment and you know 
you know, this is, I'm still a kid in terms of wanting to see, you know, is this made actually in Switzerland or is this made, mm-hmm. you know, like, uh, is this something that you can get from an Indiegogo campaign? So, um, lots of experimentation. You can see social media. Andreas, wonderful guy. Yes. Um, trusted me to kind of do some reconnaissance. Um, a couple of years ago, um, you know, I noticed someone in, in Denmark that did a custom job and took the pieces and did some really cool things. So I think that the that technology is going to be, you know, hey, they used it in NASA to help because there's no right, there's no weight that you can really do. So they wanted to use your your forces to create those loads. So you know, but obviously we're terrestrial. So like, okay, how do you kind of use that? Because you know, that's what everyone says. NASA, NASA. Everyone says NASA. And but like, for example, biofoam. It's like 50 years old. So if you land in the Logan Airport, you know, and some of these strength coaches that are traveling to Boston, look at how old all this technology from NASA is and how little we're using. It's, it's embarrassing. And NASA's big. So everyone's like, oh, we're working with NASA. It's like, all right, I interviewed Dr. Cagle from NASA. Uh, he's from, from, uh, from NASA. People got to calm down. It's like space age. It's nice, the Mars Project, but, like, we got bigger fish to fry. Guys are getting pulled over at DUI, you know, you know, and then they, people say, well, oh, we're using uh, the latest GPS technology. It's like, well, all right, let's make sure that you're taking care of the basics before we look at player load. Um, so that's some of the things that, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm rambling here because it's 4 p.m. and I'm low on caffeine, um, but, but, but that's kind of... You know, those are my rants, and I, as you know from my earlier tweet, I was getting annoyed by the compression, um, the new compression startups that are uh, coming out and promising, you know, muscle regeneration and all these extreme, you know, hype that, uh, that we're seeing. So, I don't know. That's, just That's interesting. In a nutshell. <laughs> compression, huh? Hmm. You know, and I think the funny part, when you look at all of the technology and all of the things that have brewed up as long as training has come and has gone on and as far as it's going, uh, is there still anything more reliable than a Bosco test? You know, I mean, it's yeah, it's what it's. And at the end of the day, um, I explain this to people because um, right now. A lot of the you know athlete management systems, uh, excuse me. Um, a lot of them are like okay, we're getting all this data, and finally now people are aggregating uh, multiple data streams. And for me, the ultimate test is probably performance. Uh, I yeah. explained that. I said, you know, if you look at uh, data integrity, uh, training data is number one, right? That's like our food, and then you know like the vitamin D or the fish oils, or whatever people are doing for supplements, um, that, that complements uh, real eating. And I think when people are getting so excited about the monitoring, you know, I believe in heart rate variability. You know, I believe in player tracking. I, I believe in GPS. I believe in um, you know, all of this stuff, but that's there to complement. And like I said on a, on a tweet, you know, a lot of guys are monitoring bad training. Mm-hmm. It's like if you're doing TRX lunges as your primary overload pattern for your lower extremities, don't talk about you know force plates. And you know there's one 
you know, and I'm pro force plays. I, I just think that people get excited. You know, it's funny. Like all the basketball teams are talking about force plays for jumping. Now, I'm not in basketball. You are. Uh, people probably need to look at the traditional lifts, you know, like maybe some Olympic lifts or squatting patterns and look at that data because we, we need to see more of that. Basketball players, they have jumper's knee. You know, like there's a lot of knee overuse. Do you need to jump more? Are they motivated to jump? Okay, jump, I, I, I've been doing jump testing for a long time and I'm trying to do what Andrew said which is a, a wonderful uh, example is is what's the minimal amount of cuts? You know, that whole surgeon, you know, if, if you're going to choose a, a surgeon, you know, they're both equal value doing like a knee replacement. You probably want to choose a guy with lesser cuts. Um, and I think that's the same with data. Um, how do you measure the laziness? You know, that's what I've been talking about is how do you measure the soul? You know, I don't, I, you know, you have a guy, maybe he's a rookie and, you know, you're in the NBA or, and you ask him to do something in terms of queuing up on training or something, and then he rolls his eyes. Well, where's that showing up on the dashboard? You know, there's a lot of things that coaches need to remember that focus on what you do as a, as the human side, the human element, and leave sort of like the technology to be, uh, you know, uh, to get the data that's easy to collect. Um, data needs to be, and technology needs to be embedded and passive. We can't be slaves to collecting it. I, I get so annoyed when I see all these great coaches. They look like bo uh, water boys. Uh, they're running around trying to like be almost like a, uh, a butler with data. And I said, you know what? That really hurts the profession when you need more of a le leadership role. And, and, uh, uh, and I, say, I say this uh, with, for both sexes, um, a parent. Um, you know, I used to say uh, you know, father figure, but... You know that that's that sounds sexist. You know, I got to be careful. Uh, you know what you say. People need to know that it's it's a, people. It's about parenting, um, and I think being a leader is probably a, a more of a systemic way of, of seeing what a coach should think about, versus saying what data can I collect so I can have a, a, a snazzy chart. Right. Well, and I think that people too, no matter what the data they're collecting is, whether it be. You know, if you have an Omega Wave or you're using Catapult or it's just heart rate monitors or even just something simple as like RPE or if you're lucky to have questionnaires with Coach Me Plus or whatever it is, they need to remember that at the end of the day, it's not a deity. And I, it, that's what I tell people all the time. It's like, well, you have all these toys. Well, how has it changed some things? And I'm like, a little bit. You know, it depends on the day. You know, like... There's still days where, you know, they need to be educated because something wasn't right or they messed up. And just because it says that today might not be a good day to work hard doesn't mean today is not a good day to learn something. Yeah. Or understanding where your costs are being paid versus what these kids actually need to get better at. Like if today's a good day and you're a guy that's fitness is great but could use to be strong uh, could use to be stronger and I'm a guy whose fitness stinks but is strong enough, like maybe if it's a weight room day I'm not grinding it out, maybe you are, so that I can grind it out tomorrow 
because I'm just fat and out of shape, you know, <laughs> whereas you'd run circles around me, you know. So, and I think that people don't look at it enough, like you said, like at the individual, at the person. And as Andrew brought up multiple times, like developing the student athlete or the athlete in general as, as what they are, which is a person. Yeah, I know it's it, and I'll be honest is like uh, once you've get access to all these toys and you've measured everything and you have all the latest greatest, you get the prototypes in, you get to sneak peek. Uh, you know, I, I always refer to my high school coach Peter Foley, and you know, thirty years, I don't know, uh, ten uh, championships. For me, it's like at the end of the day, it's. You know, the season is basically a condensed life. And, you know, as a, I'd say former athlete, just because, you know, I mean, everyone's a star in, in high school because there's just, you know, 30,000 of them. Everyone's going to be a winner. Um, I've learned the most is that the best coaches are the best people in terms of managing people. And I just think that uh, that should be the starting point. And I think every solution with bad data um, the technology just—it's—it's it's just basically brutally honest, and mm-hmm. it takes a person that has charisma, all of these uh, ways to motivate and to change behavior. Um, so for me, it's—I've said this, and and once that's quoted by Lada Jovanovic, you know, it's now immortalized. But it's not what you know; it's what you can get your people or athletes to do. And so for me, I've been beaten bad by coaches that have never got any background in exercise science and I get all excited, you know, nice little taper, make some progress, do pretty well. And this other guy comes up there and does like this little Braveheart speech right before and just the athlete performs. So for me about if you're looking to, you know, satisfy the, 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 you know, the importance of sport, which is developing the person and you're looking to win, you know, look at the people that are, you know, that can sell an Eskimo ice. You know, those, those are the guys that if, if they know the science, they're dangerous. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think the next evolution is going to be the team coach that understands sports science so he, can des- he or she can design um, training that's uh, harmonious to the performance enhancement and medical side. So, you know, Matt, Greg Popovich is doing this right now um, with resting players. But once you start seeing weekly setups in the NFL that have that beautiful design that allows just enough of the dose at the right time, we're going to see someone's like, you know, I don't know if Chip Kelly's doing that at, uh, you know, uh, in Philadelphia, but you can see that sports science, someone's going to grow up on that as a player or becomes a coach, and they're going to see practices that are going to be designed to be harmonious, not just tweaked because, uh, a coach is kind of reminding someone to back off. So that's the future. Yeah. Well, and that's a pretty exciting time to think about too. Yeah, and I think that we're seeing it's getting closer. Um, but again, it's uh, you're starting to see the you know you see this all the time. Uh, athletes are even at elite levels. Uh, you'll see like uh, toughness type training. A, a team, you know, I won't mention. You know, listening to a coach. And he's like, yeah, we, our athletes are overtrained, so they look sluggish, so they're not tough enough, so they're doing like midnight workouts, which I don't know are, you know, this day and age with lawsuits, just an accident waiting to, to happen. 
And then now the athletes are performing less, so now it's an attitude issue. So now they bring in a speaker and it's, you know, doing speeches about, you know, uh, character development. And the reality is the athletes are basically overtrained. And so I think that we're, we're, we're getting exposed to that, but there's a tweet today that um, I'm looking now is, you know, the NBA's talking about, you know, grown men needing to rest uh, during mm-hmm. the season. And then, like, someone's like, what about the AAU? You know, it's like, you know, where, what about kids? Um, and don't get me started on that because a lot of people that are talking about long-term athletic development are, you know, these geniuses are, are, are talking about, oh, playing more sports. I'm like, well, I think kids, uh, either it's playing one sport and, and, and over-specializing. If you're always competing and you're not letting the, you know, rotating the, the soil a little bit, you know, that, that's why I'm, I'm in favor of some of these programs that are more PE oriented because we're getting away from like just trying to win early when kids just need to have fun and then grow at their own rate. This artificial, oh, we're going to have people do three sports. Well, now when does the kid get a break? You know, everyone's, you know, building these monster stadiums for high school, even middle school stadiums. It's like it's 12 years old. Let it be. So anyways... I'm ranting, and that's dangerous. You know, I, I want to make sure that I start the podcast the podcast off uh, with some uh, some good energy, but you know, not spook people for episode two. <laughs> no, I, Carl, this has been absolutely awesome, and uh, to be able to dive into the future in in many different realms as to directions we're looking in specific sports with technology and just technology in general. It is always an awesome talk, buddy, and I, I'm sure everybody's going to appreciate it. This was great. Thank you so much. No problem. And, you know, if people want to look at some of my um, less ranty content, um, just subscribe to the Inside Tracker uh, blog. Uh, once, maybe twice a month, I'll post something um, that's, you know, we have an editor that refines what I'm saying so it actually actually makes a lot more sense than you know what I'm saying here on this podcast um, and then you can start you know seeing some of these things articulated far smoother and a little bit more uh, you know easier to, to comprehend because my thoughts are kind of cleaned up uh, so that's one way to kind of catch up I'm the director of innovation at uh, inside tracker and and what I probably you know want to focus on is, is some of the stuff like we've talked about in terms of behavior change, um, because it's again not what you know; it's what you can get your athletes to do. So, hopefully, that uh, people got something out of this talk, and maybe it's a sneak peek for some technology. But I will be having a, a blog written for your for your website, kind of like a consumer report gu- uh, buyer's guide, just an approach awesome. to make sure people, when they have these you know hundred thousand dollar budgets at colleges and pro pro teams, how to to be a smarter um, shopper yeah that'll be great and for those that do like the ranting carl (laughs) at spikes only on twitter okay there are some definite gems that fly through the twitter sphere with you my friend instead of a uh having a a a rock star energy drink or whatever you can you can just look at some of my rants and that that will you know that will increase bar speed by eight Point three percent. Hey, thanks again for having me on. Hopefully, this moves the chains a little bit with uh, the technology side. But um, you know, I, I always a big fan of your podcast and uh, what you're doing with uh, Central Virginia Seminar. And you know, it, it was just amazing this past uh, 
uh, this summer, you know, I'm speaking like it's a, a couple of years ago. It was only like a month and a half or something. Yeah. But anyway, great, great stuff as always, Jay. Thanks again. It's an honor to be on your, your podcast. Thanks for being here, Carl. And thanks for the kind words, bud. We'll catch up real soon, all right? All right. Thank all right. you. Thank you. And a huge thanks to today's guest, Inside Trackers, Carl Valle. Awesome information. Always good to hear what's the latest and the greatest on the tech side. Always awesome to talk with Carl. Super smart guy. Just a vast wealth of knowledge and, and has helped me out a ton in, in my career. So can't thank him enough for coming on and for all he does for us. And as always, guys, if you enjoyed it, share it for us, please. Go ahead, pass the information around. Questions, comments, anything, leave them below. We're trying to have these follow-up pieces, so we need to know what you guys want to know. So fire away. Don't hold back, and we will get those to you as soon as we can. And as always, guys, thank you so much for being part of this. We will see you next week with another great guest.